Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. Henricus, the Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am delighted to welcome Laurie Lewis Ham to the podcast today. Laurie lives in Reedley, California, and has been writing ever since she was a child. Her first song and poems were published when she was 13, and she's gone on to publish many articles, short stories, and poems throughout the years, as well as write for a local newspaper and publish six mystery novels. For the past 12 years, Laurie has been an editor-in-chief and publisher of King's River Life magazine, and she produces Mystery Rats' Maze podcast, where you can now hear an excerpt of her new book, One of Us. You can learn more about Laurie and her latest book on her website, mysteryrat.com, and find her on Twitter at mysteryrat and on Facebook. Another way to keep up with Laurie's writing is to subscribe to her newsletter, and you can do that on her website. We've got links in the show notes. Laurie has been married to Larry for 30 years, and they have two grown children, Jason Joseph Ham. She currently has five cats, four dogs, a pet dwarf rabbit, and a pet rat named Yuki. For many years, she worked in Pet Rat Rescue and has had many pet rats of her own over the years. She's a better person than I because rats freak me out. But um, I'm really delighted to have this conversation with you. Welcome to the podcast, Laurie. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am looking forward to talking to you about your writing and your writing journey, but also about King's River Life magazine, which is such an important part of the mystery community. But let's start at the beginning, as I always do. When did you say to yourself, I want to be a writer? And and when did you flip? It sounds like it was young, but when did you also say, I want to write a book? I have been making up short stories since I was probably about eight. And I kind of just always wanted to be a writer. It wasn't until I was a teenager that I decided I wanted to write a book and uh, spent many years trying. (laughs) And was it always crime fiction for you? Um, No. um, In the beginning, uh, short stories, a lot of them had to do with animals and stuff like that. And then I wrote articles and poems. But with the books, I played around a little bit with the idea of maybe a Star Trek book at one point because I was a big Star Trek fan. But other than that, mystery, yes. Star Trek original or next generation or, you know. All? All? <laughs> I like all. Started out with uh, with original. Um, I like to tell the story. My mom put me in front of the TV in front of Star Trek as a baby because we were born the same year. And, <laughs> and I never stopped watching <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I only ask because, I mean, when I, you know, meeting fellow Star Trek fans, it's always good to have conversations about, you know, about which one we, we follow. Um, <laughs> and so writing a book takes longer and takes different exercises and different muscles for sure. But how did you build up your writing skills? As far as for writing a book or, or writing and creative writing in general, did you take classes? Did you just keep writing? I took a few um, 
they weren't online classes at the time, but uh, correspondence type classes. And when I was getting really serious about writing a book in my early 20s, there was a creative writing class actually in Fresno that I had friends who uh, attended. And I did go to that for probably about two years. And other than that, just sitting down and doing it. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Oh, yes. <laughs> and what's your writing process like for, let's say, for writing books? What, how, do you, how do you write a book? I'm absolutely a pantser. Couldn't do it any other way. <laughs> I, you know, I'll have a basic idea and setting and, and characters, but I just sit down and start writing. If I tried to outline, I think I'd feel like I was done already. <laughs> I'm meeting uh, through this podcast, I'm meeting a lot of pantsers, uh, you know, and, and everyone has a different approach to it and things like that. But do you usually develop an idea or have a character? How, how do you, how do you know, okay, this is going to be a book I'm going to start? Um, I think because I knew, you know, I want to write a book that I pursued what I needed to, you know, to do that. Um, I, my first several books were series and this new one is part of a new series. So I would say character and location is kind of where I start. Mm-hmm. And and then and kind of see where it goes from there. Uh, with my first books, my main character was actually a gospel singer, which was a life I used to know well. And and so a lot of the story came out of that. And mm-hmm. then uh, with the new one, it's a lot about setting. I have them set in a real life uh, arts district in Fresno called the Tower District. And a lot of the character and the ideas and stuff come out of that setting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a great setting is its own character, right? I mean, and develops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What sort of writing advice um, have you gotten that's been great or, or that has been terrible or, you know, what kind of writing advice do you give? I sometimes think the the bad writing advice is more helpful (laughs) to people. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I don't know. I'm not really sure as far as bad writing advice, except when somebody tries to tell you there's only one way to do it. Yeah. It's definitely not the case. Everybody's different. Good writing advice. Um, actually a couple things really helped me. And one ties back to sisters in crime. When I was really getting serious about my first book, I mean, I'd written books, but you know what I mean? Really serious. Um, a sisters in crime chapter started in Fresno and I joined and it was encouraging. And also I had people telling me, Hey, you should write a mystery featuring a gospel singer. And I honestly had never even considered that possibility. So, so that helped me. That's when I was finally able to actually finish a book. Yeah. And then, uh, in that same process, I actually went to a conference. Carol Higgins Clark was there Mm -hmm. and she told me how she keeps track of things which she uses a calendar. And since I can't outline, that was a perfect answer for me to just be able to track things and know what's going on or be able to say, hey, this needs to happen on this day. So both of those pieces of advice were uh, very helpful to me. And so when she, when you talk about using calendar, is it like printing out a blank calendar that you, you track what's your, what your characters are doing and then just Correct. sort of say we need to solve this a week from Wednesday. So how am I going to make that happen? Not so much that, but like, you know, I'll put the dates in and I'll put 10 o'clock. She did, went here, you know, this time, 
you know, went and talked to the police or went and talked to this suspect or just to kind of track and make sure, you know, that it, it flows okay and that I'm doing the things I need to do. And then maybe something will come up of, oh, this is happening on this date. I need to put this down here in room to do this. Yeah, no, that's really a great idea. I mean, my, um, uh, I, I frequently, uh, when I first started writing, would, would create these days that were like 47 hours long. It's like, I yeah. couldn't do all that in one day. So, you know, <laughs> I'd have them traveling all over the place and talking to people and that's not possible. So it's, it's, no. I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> um, as part of what you're, you're, you know, writing, you talked about joining a sisters in crime community, uh, a chapter and that the community, did you understand at the beginning of your writing journey, how important community was, or is that something that sort of developed over time as well? Um, I think that developed I, because I mean, since I was writing as a teenager, you know, and a kid, I didn't think about those kind of things. But I honestly joined Sisters in Crime because I was such a big mystery fan and mm -hmm. had been for years. And so that was the reason. And then all of the rest of the wonderful things came out of that. Yeah, because you've been a member of Sisters in Crime for a long, long time. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that you do, one of the other hats that you wear is you're the editor-in-chief of Kings River Life which is an online magazine that I'm sure most people know about um, that does reviews and profiles and articles and all sorts of things and is an incredibly um, generous part of the, the crime writing community. I mean, you know, I, I think that one of the things I love to talk to people about is the other ways the community gets supported and, and things like your magazine are part of that. Can you talk to me about that and how that came together? Sure. Um, the magazine didn't start out that way. I had been working for a local newspaper and got laid off just before Christmas. And while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next, I went, wouldn't it be kind of fun to put together a website where I write about all the things that my editor told me nobody wanted to read? <laughs> and Mystery was a little bit, was a part of that kind of more through the local writers and sisters in crime. And, um, I had also been doing book reviews on my own website as an author now and then. And so those things just kind of started merging and just found that, uh, it really, that part of it really grew to the point now where it's at least half of each issue, if not more. Is our, our reviews? Yeah, book reviews, movie reviews, uh, once in a while a mystery short story, anything mystery related. And then the rest of it is either animal rescue or local arts and food and stuff like that. You know, your reviews get quoted. I mean, people people pull quotes from them and use them on websites and things like that. I mean, it, it's an incredibly useful thing for, for the community to have that kind of um, outreach that you provide. Um, is it, how do people approach you? Like, what's the best way to reach out to you? What are some good practices to do it or some things that like, this isn't so cool? <laughs> um, really, I would say probably just email me about your book, um, kingsriverlife at gmail.com. And, but just, 
keep in mind that we may not have a reviewer that's available to review it mm -hmm. and, um, and that it might not end up being a good fit for us. Just, you know, keep that part in mind. And the more ahead of time you can, the better. We tend to review books after they come out, after it's had all the big, you know, so we're not hitting at the same time as every other website, but at the same time, we plan way ahead. Yeah. And yeah. all of our reviewers are volunteer. Most of them have day jobs too. So they can only do so many. So if you get in touch with us ahead of time, so we can get you a spot, if it works, that helps a lot. But we do try to at least do something. Um, since the pandemic, we started doing a special midweek guest post, uh, kind of took the place of all of our arts articles for a while. Yeah. And uh, we're still doing that. If we can't review your book or if it's going to be months before we can, we try to at least offer that if at all possible. And, you know, as I said, I've been talking to bloggers and different people who, who do this. If you're going to give something a not great review, do you publish it or do you not? Not. If, if we, we try to make sure that we're reading the book objectively just because it's, it may not be something that is our personal taste, if it's well done, then yeah, we yeah. review it that way. If it really just is either a bad book for whatever reason or something that we absolutely can't stomach, like uh, dogs getting killed, that's something that if you've got that in your book, don't, don't bother. Yeah, um, yeah. But then we will we'll let the author know. But yeah, quite yeah. honestly... Um, that hasn't happened very often. Yeah. We can yeah. usually, usually be able to find something good about, you know what I'm saying? Something good about the yeah. book. Yeah. Um, and do you, I think you probably have publicists who also reach out to you and, and try to, yes. yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lot of work to manage and to run that site. It is definitely. <laughs> um and it's you know again labors of love right for the community yeah, yeah um and i love that you also focus on other arts forms because i you know as somebody who spent a lot of years working in theater um you know i think that we can we can look at things from all different points of view um did you feel like that also the fact that you are um so interested in many forms of art that that kind of also gives it more texture or more you know that it's a richer environment i think so and i know that even though most of that other stuff is more local that there are some of our readers from out of the area that do still read a lot of the animal rescue stuff a lot of the art stuff as well and enjoy it. I, I hope. Yeah. To understand what's going on and to hear about things and trends is pretty mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah. Now in your own writing, how would you classify your own books? My own books? Well, the first series was definitely cozy. The new one, I honestly didn't think it was cozy. I thought it was a little more traditional, but as we, I started getting reviews, everybody was calling it a cozy with an edge. So there you go. <laughs> well there's a movement towards um subgenres within cozy now i mean yeah. there's you know because there's always the food and the cozy you know, gardening or the this mm -hmm. and that but there's also um cozy noir i've heard or cozy with an oh, edge <laughs> i went to a panel somewhere and i mentioned cozy noir and i, I did think 
hmm, how does that work? But <laughs> um, but no, cozies with an edge are 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 a thing. I mean, it's still some of the same rules of yeah. you know no excessive violence, no no gratuitous sex, no you know animals dying on the page or anything like that. But it has a little bit of an edge. May have more than one body, <laughs> that kind of thing. And she ends up being a part-time private investigator working with her cousin, who is a private investigator. So, you know, I was thinking, well, that's not your typical cozy, but. Right. Yeah. Not the amateur sleuth. Right. So when did, when, when did you publish your first book? My first book was in 2000. So, I mean, that's not that long, but it's also a long time in, yeah. in the publishing world. Um, and the world has changed. What do you think about, um, all those changes in the last 22 years, you know, digital and online and internet. I mean, there's so much, the publishing field has changed so much, uh, you know? Um, well, First off, when I sat down and finally had this new book written, I felt like I was starting over and had never published a book ever because everything was so different. But there's a lot of good to it. I feel like there are a lot more really good books getting a chance now that self-publishing isn't looked down on. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's really great. At Kings of Our Life, we honestly try to help self-published authors as much as we can. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's really positive. I think um, ha there being eBooks, I think that's a positive thing. Uh, it was a lot easier for me to send out uh, eBook arcs than trying to make my own print ones, you know, 20 some odd years ago. So yeah. um, I'd say mostly good. Uh, there are still, you know, negatives. There's still maybe almost maybe too many books out there. <laughs> so there's that. But I think a lot of it is good. Yeah, I think the indie publishing world has changed so much in those years, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there are people, um, whether true or not, back in the day, it was the perception was these are people who couldn't get a traditional publishing contract. And now we know that's not true. And it's it's a people... A, take it very seriously as a business and are able to create their own paths, which is incredible. I, I mean, I think it enriches us all, um, yeah, but it right. is a business. I mean, it's still, you're going to, it's a lot more work <laughs> to be an indie published author. Well, going back to the beginning, because I had a gospel singer as my main character back then, crossovers weren't really a thing. And everybody kept telling me, Oh no, this is a Christian mystery. And then the, you know, it very much wasn't a Christian mystery. And so it was very hard to find a place for it, which I don't think that's as much of a deal anymore. I think yeah. crossovers is a lot more common. Yeah. Even bigger crossovers than that. Yeah. But um, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're writing a non, you know, a cozy, but cozy, you know, traditional and with a gospel singer that isn't quite Christian. I mean, that's a, neither community is going to, you know, yeah. Is going to embrace it right away, um, but there's definitely a market for it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, your new series. When did you launch that? That was it. it kind of it, the end of July, beginning of August. The ebook came out one week, and the print the next of this year. Of last year. Of last year. Um, and 
Uh, yeah. So during pandemic. Yep. Um, and how was that? I mean, it, it's, uh, it, you know, different. I mean, also because you know more people and you're part of the community in a different way, because that's also changed how you market yeah. and, the, and social media. I mean, it's just hard to even explain how different the world is. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um, it was hard not being able to do in-person book signings. Uh, yeah. I, I know locally, especially, I, I did a lot of that with the other books. So I really missed that. And I'm, I'm hoping by the next one, <laughs> we'll see. But um, I was very thrilled by how supportive the rest of the mystery community was to my book. Not that I didn't expect them to be supportive because they've always been, but just the links that, that they were willing to go to help me get the word out um, really touched me. And I really, it really meant a lot. And that's probably one of the biggest things. Um, and such a huge learning process though. And I'm really hoping with the next one to be able to plan it out a little better. This one is kind of like just trying to finally get it done, being stuck at home, you know, and, and, and just when it was done, it just went with it instead of really planning the promotion that much. But yeah, it, it definitely was, uh, it was a whole new experience. I learned a lot. One negative thing I did learn that ties back to what we just said is I was surprised how many uh, magazines and websites still will not review a self-published book and will not take an ebook arc, especially the ebook part shocked me because even the big publishers during much of the pandemic switched us over to only being able to get ebook arts. So that kind of surprised me. Yeah. I mean, do you see that changing or is it, there's so much about the publishing industry that's, that's still old fashioned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do you, do you think that that's going to change it, it or is that a way that they can also keep the number of arcs they get down is maybe, is- maybe. Um, I hope that continues to change because especially as you know, who knows how long there's going to be some sort of paper shortage. So right. just all those things and, and hopefully more websites will get more open to ebook arcs, especially. I think they almost have to, we had to, we had a couple of our, couple of our reviewers who only did print. And so did we have to scramble to fig- get them to figure out, okay, you have to get a Kindle. We have to get that galley, all these different things. It was, it was uh, an adventure. We lost a couple along the way who just, who couldn't. And have yeah. gradually started getting a few print arcs and they've been able to do some again. But yeah, that's just the way that it is now. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, there's a learning curve to doing online, getting online arcs. I mean, NetGalley is a great way to do it and things like that, but it's not super easy for people. Yeah. And I, I've had the same thing happen. You know, people, yeah. you know, can't well, do it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I got turned on to Book Funnel, which was an absolute blessing for me as a writer this time around. That that was huge. And so what is Book Funnel? Book Funnel is, and I'm still learning about it, so can't tell you everything. It's a website where you can upload your books, upload your book, and it's set up to where you can send, depending on what program you get, up to an unlimited amount of ebook arcs or giveaway books out to people without it costing you anything extra. 
and and that that was that was how I sent out almost all my arcs, did almost all my giveaways, and that that was really nice. And when you send it to somebody, they can then download it in the format that they want. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, whether they got a Nook or a Kindle or whatever it is that they they have, or they want a PDF or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. So, Laurie, I think one of the important things that we've touched on, but that people um, need to understand when we're talking about publishing. So, being a writer is a journey unto itself, and we, we, you know, talk about pantser and writing and plotting and everything else. But being published, you make choices, and you continue to make choices, and you can make many different choices. Um, but if you, no matter how you're being published it's a business and you need to participate in the business. But if you're being indie published and you want to be well published so that you're taking it seriously as a, as a, you know, your own publisher, understanding things like sending out arcs or, or creating a press list or reaching out to reviewers or doing all those things is a necessary part of the business because you, it's all you. Um, and you've had the background with the magazine and other things you've done, which probably makes it a little bit, um, you understand it, but it doesn't make it easy all the time. It's still hard to do, right? Definitely. Yeah. So book funnel is a great tool. What, what would you also recommend that, that indie published authors or people who are considering being indie published, um, you know, sort of get in place as they're working on their book? Well, I guess a lot would depend if they're already established as an author or they're brand new. Um, if they're new, it's it's so important to be online. I mean, that may seem like an obvious thing, but from a published uh, Kings River Life point of view, I'm still surprised by how many authors aren't. Um, get out there and, and get involved online, get social media, website, uh, groups, get to know people. I think networking is still one of the most important things that you can do. And, and now most of that is online. So I think that's really important is your online presence and networking. And networking again has a connotation that gives some people hives, but it's a, it's an important part of this. It's, it's building your community and not just getting, but giving. Oh yes, definitely. And, and, you know, I, um, I used to teach social media for writers and Edith Maxwell quotes me a lot because, you know, I, when I held a thing for sisters in crime chapter, I said 90% of what you social media send out should be about other people. And then 10% is about you. Cause it's a cocktail party. If you say, buy my mm-hmm. book, buy my book, buy my book all the time, nobody's going to stand near you. <laughs> but if you say, this is an interesting article and did you eat this food? And here's a great, you know, and, blah, blah. and by the way, I have a book out. People are more likely to engage with you yeah. um, because it's a conversation. So you have to be part of the conversation um, in social media and networking is, is that next level. It's actually connecting with people and, and talking yeah. to them <laughs> and supporting them so that they can also support you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, we don't talk about that enough and how important that is for writing. Well, it's uh, going all the way back to when I joined Sisters in Crime. I mean, that's probably one of the most valuable things that I've done as a writer. I mean, my, I 
first agent, well, my only real agent that I had, things didn't work out because of the whole crossover thing, but she was awesome. And I learned a lot and I got her from another mystery friend that I made networking and yeah. just so many other things, you know, that you learn, uh, you learn about a new, uh, review website to send your book to by somebody else talking about it or, or you review for each other, you know, you, you'll review your, your friend's book on Goodreads and they'll review yours, you know, just making those connections makes a big yeah. difference. Yeah. And creating those teams. Yeah. Yep. It's also nice to have people in your life who you can talk to about this business and they understand yes. what you're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> um, what do you wish you'd known at the beginning when you started either, you know, the magazine or your writing that you know now? Like, what would you tell your younger self? A um, couple different things. As far as books go, I wish I had had understood the business side of it, understood it wasn't just you write your book and you get it published and, you know, the rest is just fun. <laughs> um, and... As to the magazine, uh, again, I think knowing more about what I was doing, I knew the writing side because I, you know, always done that, but I didn't know the the website and the technical side when I started. And I think it would have been a lot smoother if I'd known more when I first started. So knowledge, I think, is one of the biggest things, no matter what it is that you're wanting to do. And adapting. I mean, you know, and oh, yeah. you've done that with, with your work as well. I mean, just what's new and what's a new platform and, you know, what yeah. do I need to do? And, and, you know, being thoughtful about it, but adapting. Yeah, definitely. You can't go, oh, well, I, I don't understand Twitter, so I'm not going to do it. Or what's a podcast? I don't know what that is. So I'm just going to ignore it. Yeah. You definitely have to be willing to, to check into things the thing on my to-do list now is to figure out TikTok. <laughs> I think that's on a lot of people's <laughs> list. But if you're on TikTok, there, there's first of all, there's room for mystery writers to be on TikTok. Oh, yeah. because so, yeah. so now's the time to figure it out. But you do follow some, and it's kind of wonderful. I mean, you know mm -hmm. what? Because it's very feels natural and things. I still though, I don't know. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I've been on YouTube for a long time, but not TikTok yet. I got to get over there. And what do you do on YouTube? Do you do recordings or podcasts or what do you do? Well, we, we used to, we have a YouTube channel. We haven't really used it in several years, but for a while we were doing a lot of um, video interviews. Like when authors mm -hmm. would come to town, we do an interview or we have what's called a rogue festival, a fringe festival. Uh, we would go and do interviews at that with the performers and people on the street and stuff like that. And that was before, you know, the whole world was doing it. <laughs> and then when it got to where everybody was doing it, we kind of backed off a little just because it had too many things going on. But we are working towards, um, we want to go ahead and get the podcast uploaded over on YouTube as well. Another one of those things on my long to-do list. Well, I think what one of the things that's interesting about YouTube is it's one of the biggest search engines people use <laughs> for anything. So that if you've got a 
video about somebody and you have enough of the tags, you know, the people will find it because, and I do this. I mean, I, when somebody told me that I thought, Oh, that can't be true. And then I realized every time I think about buying a new planner or I'm going to, you know, look at this, or I'm going to do that. I go on YouTube and just do a search and see what people have said and what's, and then you go down the rabbit hole of other videos and things. So it's an incredibly, um, useful site to be involved with, you know, and you can have audio. I mean, we, we could put sisters in crime podcasts up on YouTube. Yeah. It's in the plan. The, our podcast host that we have with the plan that we have, it doesn't go there automatically. So it's more just a matter of taking the time to get over there and do it. Yeah. 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 And how long have you been doing the podcast? Just over three years. And talk to me about that journey. What's that been like? Um, again, there was so much more to learn than I ever imagined. Um, I kind of just started at one point I had wanted to do, uh, with our YouTube channel, I had wanted to do dramas and that just didn't end up being, it was just too, you know, expensive, too impossible. And I started thinking because I was a podcast fan, I love listening to them and I love the old radio shows, the old mystery radio shows. I thought, you know, um, I should try doing a podcast and I have the theater tie from the magazine as well. Plus my kids have been in theater and I thought, wouldn't that be an interesting combination? And so I started putting out feelers to see if anybody was interested and, and they were. And so then I started learning. (laughs) There was so much to learn. (laughs) And do you write the scripts for the podcast? Um, they are either short stories or first chapters of mystery novels and authors submit them to us and we take a look and see if it's a good fit. And if it is, uh, then we schedule it and start auditioning for actors. And we're actually planned almost all the way through the end of next year. Wow. Wow. So that's an ambitious project. It is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very blessed to have a husband who's actually an audio engineer. That's his profession. So I, I put, I put the pieces together and then he literally puts the pieces together and makes it sound great. So that's, that's been a great part of it. Well, and so, I mean, I have my own opinions on, on podcasts and I, I think that they're wonderful and growing. Um, what, what have you found in that journey, uh, as far as, you know, making this available to people and sort of rethinking what the programming is, but using that platform? It's been very interesting. It's been a lot of fun. There's starting to be, uh, during the pandemic, a lot more dramas did pop up, but ours is still different it's uh, usually still just one actor, but they're doing more than just a straight read. They're, you know, yeah. trying to embody the characters. Um, and I think it's a great way to get people interested in your writing. Um, you mentioned I, I put the first chapter of, of my book on there because I know that when I'm in the process of putting them together and and all the little bits of directing and everything that we have to do, I end up going and buying some of the books going, I, you know, this is really cool. I like this. I'm going to find out what happens. So I think it's, I think it's a great tool and hopefully people enjoy listening to it. 
Yeah, no, that's it's a it's a wonderful melding of different art forms too. Again, yeah. you you tend to mash up art. <laughs> I guess we do. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm there. I think it's fabulous, <laughs> and it's good for actors because they get a reel. I mean, they get some examples yeah, of their work, yeah. and they get get experience and uh, and yeah, it's been great. And it's it's interesting how how much even for them has changed because most of them hadn't done voice acting. And in the beginning, sometimes it was a struggle to try and get across to them what exactly I wanted them to do. But now we've got some that have been doing it so much that they get it ready to go so fast. It just amazes me because they already know, you know, what kind of things I'm listening for. And they're more familiar with how I think how the mysteries feel they're supposed to feel. And um, yeah, it's, it's been really interesting. Well, and voice acting for actors is a field that not many, you know, emerging actors think about or consider, yeah. and it actually could be fairly lucrative. I mean, it's, yeah. it's you know, you do voiceovers <laughs> or you do uh, reading, you know, uh, I know somebody who for PBS does the um, captioning for blind viewers oh, so right. that they describe things. And mm-hmm. um you know, it's how you pay your rent. <laughs> it's a, it's a, can be a very lucrative uh, process. So, so for actors out there. Now everybody can do it from home before the pandemic, you know, we've gone into studios and stuff. Now everybody, I, I, I mean, cause I'm, I'm a big anime fan too. And just hearing them talk about how they're, you know, instead of having to say flying to Texas or something, they're recording in their closet. They've got a whole studio set up. So it makes it even more accessible to, to more actors. Doesn't matter as much where they live too. So. Yeah. There's been, uh, you think the last couple of years, some of the spurts in technology have been amazing. Uh, You know, even how much things cost. I mean, uh, (laughs) you know, it's just an amazing difference as far as accessibility goes. Yeah. 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 Um, So what are you working on now? I am trying to get the second book done. Um, you know, just like everything else, things keep getting in the way, but, um, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting really close to the first draft. Now for me, that means there's still a lot of work left to do since I'm a pantser, but, um, but I'm excited about it. I had hoped to get it done this year and that's definitely not happening. Um, but uh, you know, life gets in the way, Yeah. but, um, hopefully by, Next summer, maybe uh, Halloween at the latest. It's set at Halloween. So, and when you start, you've written one series. Now this is the second series, and you're a pantser. But did you know that this is the world that I'm building could support a series? Does that make sense? Like you've got to when you're when you're writing a series, you gotta you gotta have enough infrastructure that you've got enough story to tell yeah. for five books or whatever. I don't, I don't think I could write anything but a series, if that makes any sense. And it's my favorite thing to read. So I think that my way of thinking just goes there automatically, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can't imagine not because I want to spend more time with these characters, whether as a reader or a writer. And, uh, well, with the first series, it was set in the world of gospel music, which I had plenty of material to pull from. Um, and for anybody, I, I don't even know if you can find them anymore, but it is a realistic portrayal of that world. Hence why it didn't fit in the Christian fiction genre. 
Um, and with this, I think the Tower District really gives me that. I mean, I'm toying with, it may not happen, but I'm toying with possibly writing some of the series with different main characters mm -hmm. and it being more about the Tower District. You know, they'll all still be there. My main character, Roxy, will still be there, but I, I have thought about that possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, there's certain genres that do that more than mysteries, although some mysteries, but like romance will do that where they'll have a place and then they'll have five different books from five different points of view and the people mix up, but, but it's, it's, it's the setting or it's the time or it's the week or something that is the central conceit yeah. of the series, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Well, thank you for a wonderful conversation. Thank you for all you do with King River's Life, King's River Life. Wow. Why do I have such trouble with this? King's River Life um, and supporting writers. I mean, that's it's um, it's tremendously important part of the community. And, and thank you for being such a longtime member of Sisters in Crime. I love sisters very much. So and thank you so much for having me and talking with me today. No, it's great. It's great. So um, information in the show notes about the magazine and also about Laurie's website. And um, thanks again for a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international, inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.